Welcome to EU Code Week podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Welcome to a new Code Week podcast episode. In this episode, we are going to talk about computational thinking. Are you interested in learning what computational thinking is and how you can teach it? Today we have invited Miles Berry from England to discuss important questions such as how to implement computational thinking across the curriculum, what tips and activities can teachers use to implement computational thinking across the curriculum, but very importantly, what is the relevance of computational thinking for our students in the future? We are Arjana Plastic and Eugenia Casariego, your EU Codewick podcast host, and we hope you enjoy this new episode of the Codewick podcast. So we have here with us Miles Berry from England. Miles, very welcome. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience, to our listeners? Of course. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I'm Miles Berry. I'm Principal Lecturer in Computing Education at the University of Roehampton. So most of my work is about training the next generation of outstanding secondary school teachers. I used to be a school teacher. I spent 18 years working across four different schools, much of that time as an IT coordinator. But I was part of the team that drafted England's computing curriculum and have been involved in lots of the implementation projects for that since. Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your experience and expertise with our listeners. So let's start. What uh, do you think, what does computational thinking mean? What are some common elements of computational thinking? Or uh, maybe I can say what are some crucial competences related to it? I think that's an excellent question. I think there's a degree of consensus now that when we talk about computational thinking, we're talking about a problem-solving approach. It's the way we look at a problem or possibly a system so that we can draw on the power of a computer to help us solve it or help us understand it. So essentially, it's looking for an automatable solution to a problem, one that we could program a computer to follow or one that we could use a computer to help us implement. When we do that, we draw on a number of the sorts of concepts and approaches that computer scientists and software engineers routinely draw on in their work, in their jobs. So we might break down this big idea of computational thinking, this this way of solving problems in this automatable sort of way, to draw on subconcepts, things like logical reasoning and algorithms, abstraction, decomposition and recognizing patterns. But none of this really makes much sense without this end goal of how we could then make the computer carry out that solution too. So it links directly to coding, to programming a computer. What is the difference between coding and computational thinking or what is the connection between them? How are they connected? I think they're intimately connected. For me, programming is really a two-step 
process. Firstly, decide how you're going to solve the problem and then implement that as code in a language which you can understand and that the machine can follow. So the second of those we would, I think, correctly label as coding, and that's a really useful practical skill. But the first of those is so very, very important, and that thinking about the problem in the right way, coming up with a solution that could be implemented is where I would see computational thinking sits. Now, those techniques, those concepts of computational thinking have much wider application, but they really come into their own when linked directly to that coding as the implementation of them. In your experience, is there a right age to introduce computational thinking to students? Is there a time when we should get started or is there not? What's your view on this? I think In England, we're starting this really very, very early on. In our early years foundation stage, which is the guidance for nurseries and kindergartens in England, we lay the foundations of computational thinking through this, this area of the characteristics of effective learning, which include things like thinking about problems creatively and critically. So you'll routinely see children in reception classes, in nurseries, in kindergartens, planning their own way to solve a problem, changing strategy when things don't work out quite as they planned, stepping back and thinking, hmm, did this work? Is this the best way of doing this? Working collaboratively with their friends in whatever setting they happen to be. None of this requires a computer. None of this happens typically on screen. But all of these approaches are ones which children will subsequently draw on when it comes to finding those automatable solutions. With our five to seven-year-olds, uh, we're starting to see these ideas implemented as code. So you'll see very, very young children working with these lovely sort of little turtles, B-shaped robots that trundle around the floor there they're coming up with their own sequence of instructions. They are programming the robot to follow a set of instructions. But in the best schools, those programs that they're writing are there about solving a problem. How do we get the little bee to visit all of these flowers? Is there a best way to visit, shortest path to visit all of these different places? Trying out their solution, planning it in their head or on a little whiteboard before they start implementing that as a device. And so you'll see five, six, seven-year-olds making the connection there between the algorithm they have, their way of solving the problem, and then the implementation of that in this really very, very reduced programming language of just forwards and turns and pauses that the bee can follow. You'll also see it later on as children get used to using more sophisticated coding languages such as Scratch or Python, wherein the best schools They're thinking about how to solve the problem before they get anywhere near the screen. I'm very interested in what you mentioned, that you already in England start quite early, so at five you mentioned. What are some of the advantages that, it, that there are for starting uh, teaching computational thinking so early on? So a lot of the research that's been done with undergraduate computer science students, both in the US and Um, in Europe suggests that the prior experience a student has of programming, of coding, really is a strong predictor of their success in those introductory courses. Learning programming from scratch 
is really very, very difficult because you're having to cope with both the semantics of what you want the programme to do and the syntax of expressing that in the, the, the formal language that the machine can follow. So you're putting a huge amount of cognitive load on anybody learning programming, particularly in a formal text-based language, right from scratch as a novice programmer. By taking a very, very long run-up to that, we provide plenty of opportunity to make sure that we really do have a firm foundation in both how to solve a problem and the, the basic ideas of programming. The other reason, I think, is that this is something that is so important in our world, in the, the digital society in which we all now find ourselves, that this ought to be part of every child, every young person's entitlement to a broad and balanced education whilst they're at school. We teach children in school music and poetry and art, not because they're going to become professional artists and musicians and poets when they grow up, although some will, but because this is about their creative expression, this is about being part of the society in which they find themselves. And I think a similar argument applies to computational thinking and programming, that this is so important, everybody should know at least something about it. Absolutely, and I think that's a similar reason that moves Codevic to provide these educational resources. And one thing that Codevic tries to impulse is the importance of digital creativity, you know, as a part of uh, developing creativity in children. So that's a very interesting way to view it. Miles, you mentioned that we don't need computers to start implementing computational thinking. Can you recommend some unplugged activities that teachers can use uh, in their classroom to teach computational thinking? Absolutely. Although I think I'd first like to say the code really does work very well when it is ran on a computer. This seems to be a really motivating way for children and young people to put their, their computational thinking into action to actually see the machine following the instructions they give it. But the basic ideas here of algorithms and decomposition and abstraction can all be taught away from the screen. There are some lovely resources um, in the UK produced under by Barefoot Computing from CS Unplugged down in New Zealand, which provide lots and lots of really interesting and exciting ways of doing this. I think one of my favourite examples is something which, which lots of school teachers do as part of their maths lessons. So we play this, this guess my number game. The teacher says, I'm thinking of a number, maybe writes it down on a piece of paper, hides it in in their desk drawer or something, and then gets the children to ask yes-no uh, binary questions about what that number is. Over in a maths lesson, these tend to be really interesting questions which draw on children's mathematical reasoning. So they might ask, is it a square number? Has it got three digits? Is it a multiple of seven? Is it a prime number? And lots and lots of these questions which really help them to reason mathematically about it. When we move this into a computing lesson, I think there should be a real emphasis on coming up with a systematic way to solve this sort of problem. So we might start with just guessing randomly. Is it three? Is it nine? Is it 123? Or whatever. Really slow, inefficient way. 
Or we might go for a much more systematic approach. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? We know that we will get there using this sort of linear search technique. But sooner or later, children will take a divide and conquer approach to this. So is it less than 64? Is it less than 32? Is it less than 48? And narrowing the range at each stage. Once you have that, you have an efficient way of solving this problem that you could then teach to a computer. You could then program as a thing for the, the machine to, to carry out, to play that game. Lots and lots of other examples like that. And I think games provide such rich territory for exploring these ideas of computational thinking. We could talk much more about this, I'm sure. Uh, we invite our listeners to check out the learning bit on computational thinking that uh, Miles, you have developed. And there are some excellent ideas on how to use games and similar ideas in the classroom. My next question would be, do we need a separate school subject? that would be called computational thinking? Or can we simply implement it in other subjects and teach it across different disciplines? It's interesting that across Europe, countries have taken different approaches to the implementation of this. Lots of European countries have decided that this is something that they want to implement within their national curricula. But they've taken quite different positions about how to go about this. And there's a really interesting sort of comparison exercise there between jurisdictions that have taken that much more discrete, this is a separate subject on the timetable, to a much more embedded approach. Um, I think either work very, very well. We have a distinct body of knowledge there. Computer science is a serious academic discipline sitting alongside physics and chemistry. And in England, we decided that it deserved its own place on the school curriculum as a subject computing, which encompasses computer science, information technology and digital literacy. Other countries have taken a much more embedded approach, perhaps recognising that computer science has strong affinity, particularly with mathematics and making strong connections there, or saying that computational thinking is a problem-solving approach that can be and perhaps should be applied to problems coming from anywhere on the curriculum. And for my part, I think there are really good connections with using it as a problem-solving approach when it comes to STEM disciplines. The way that a country or indeed a school organises its curriculum really ought to be left up to them. That there's not, there isn't necessarily a right way to go about this, but it is such an important thing that it ought to be part of all children's curriculum entitlement. Indeed, there's no one size fits all and every school has different staff members with different skills. And therefore, you know, I, I understand what you mentioned that it's not so easy to really do something that applies to everyone. I suppose the other thing worth saying is that often you see this set up as an after school extracurricular or co-curricular activity. And I think that's a lovely thing to do. You know, if it'll allow me to come back to my music teaching analogy, we put music onto the school timetable because it's there as an entitlement for all. But that doesn't mean to say we do away with our school orchestras and our school choirs and school jazz bands and indeed individual instrument lessons. All of that ought to be part of the provision. And by analogy, I'd want the same thing for computing too. So yes, included as part of the curriculum, 
curriculum, but then let those who love the subject, who find a real enthusiasm or interest in that, pursue it much further, perhaps through lots of less formal extracurricular provision. The danger with the after-school club approach is that it, if we limit it to just that, then there are huge issues around entitlement and it becomes something which only those who have an interest or parental encouragement, that we limit it to just those sorts of children. I think it's really important to recognise that this should be an entitlement for everybody. Absolutely. And I think that's a very important point that you raise, because very often when we raise awareness for teaching coding and computational thinking, we're always faced with the question that, well, not every school, not every parent, not every student has access to the same resources. And so my other question, actually, you were mentioning music right now and cross-curricular approaches. So I want to focus a little bit more in integrating, let's say, um, computational thinking into the formal education. So many of our listeners are not just STEM teachers, but as well, we have many language teachers. We have as well many, like Ariana herself is an English teacher, for example, and so we have teachers from all the disciplines. So is it possible to integrate computational thinking across the curriculum in other subjects that are not STEM? How do you see this? Absolutely, yes. And, and forgive me for, for putting an emphasis on STEM earlier. This is not at the detriment of integrating computing with the whole width of the school curriculum. There's so much interesting work that can be done in the visual arts. So right from the start we had, when we introduced computer programming into elementary, primary education, we had turtle graphics with logo and the little turtle uh, crawling around the floor, drawing patterns as it went. And that sort of geometric art is still a very, very engaging, um, motivating way into exploring the subject. And it's lovely to see the support for turtle graphics in Scratch and Python and so many other programming languages. You can go so much further with that. I've been doing some work with the P5 processing language, which allows artists to use code as a medium for their work. You have a very similar thing happening over in music education. Now we have these core constructs of computer programming, such as sequence and selection and repetition, and the, the idea of a procedure, of a, of a named sub-program. All of these you can explore through the medium of composing music on a computer or creating your own musical instrument using hardware interfaces or just the computer keyboard, or indeed the webcam if you so want to. Um, I think there's some really interesting work happening with integration with physical education, of using a little device such as a microbit, which has an accelerometer built into it to start exploring the data which different types of movement generate. And then when you open that out to the use of GPS trackers, there's so many lovely integrations there. And you can step back from that sort of coding level to explore those big ideas of computational thinking through the medium of other subjects. Within the medium of language teaching, we have a you know, story. Firstly, we plan our story. We think of the algorithm. We think of what's going to happen within that story before we start writing the story or telling the story to somebody. And that again expresses this distinction between algorithm as the plan and its expression, this time in human language rather than 
uh, computer language. But you can take it a step further, you can bring that back onto the screen of creating stories, creating little animations or interactive stories using Scratch, using Python, this lovely idea of interactive fiction. Sorry, you've um, really got me going on to lots and lots of other possibilities. And, you know, take a subject, I'm sure we could find really interesting ways of developing computational Indeed, thinking. Indeed, and there that. are many different options and activities, and we think Godwig could actually explore some of them. You mentioned before that PE can also be integrated with coding and computational thinking. We've recently developed a learning bit, actually, um, that focuses on PE and on coding. So, and within this series of, uh, of podcasts, within this series of podcasts, we've also interviewed guests that have talked to us about how to integrate art with coding. So it's, thank you so much for providing such good and concrete examples um, on how to integrate it at the school level, because indeed there's so many options and so many things uh, to be done. We also wanted to focus a little bit more on, on the teaching aspect. Uh, my next question would be, so computational thinking, it's now seen as something that is really core and important to acquire. As you mentioned, in England, you already started to teach this from a very early age. Why is it important to teach computational thinking? Why is it relevant for the future of our students? Why should we go about teaching and integrating computational thinking in our lessons or at school level with a specific subject? I think we've come to the point where digital technology is so embedded in so many dimensions of our society that pretty much every young person at school now is going to find themselves working in a job or pursuing further study or in their lives more generally using digital technology in all sorts of different ways. Surely what we want for young people is that they become informed, they have an understanding of how that technology has been made. They can appreciate the creativity that has gone into that. They have an understanding of what happens behind the screen, that it isn't simply magic that happens. In order to do that, we need to teach this approach to solving problems. So they have some real insights into the thought processes that those who've created those technologies have gone through. But over and above that, I'd like them to leave school being able to take charge of that technology, not being a slave to the technology, having some ability to bring it to bear on the problems that they themselves encounter. And I think computational thinking is how we go about empowering them to do that, not just being able to use the technology to find something on the internet, but being able to use the technology as efficiently, as effectively as they possibly can, being able to make the technology do something which it perhaps doesn't do straight out of the box. How can we do that? How can teachers empower their students to use technology in such a way to what are some aspects that teachers need to think of when teaching computational thinking? Can you provide some tips and tricks on that? We start with what they can do already, the technological skills that they have, their ability to, to problem solve, their ability to come up with their own systematic solutions to things. And then we look for ways to use that as a starting point to really take their learning forward, to introduce them to the big ideas, to the concepts of this. And this happens in much the same way as good teaching happens anywhere on the curriculum. So there is a clear sense of bringing to mind prior learning. There's a clear sense of there being really well-constructed, guided 
instruction. There are things in our subject which, yes, pupils will figure out for themselves if given enough time, but for many of our pupils, that sense of having a teacher working alongside them, helping them to understand and to put into practice these big ideas is really very, very important. And this can happen through, through teachers modelling things up on the big screen there, showing pupils how to do these things before then passing on to them the autonomy to make something themselves. I think Seymour Papert back in the 1970s, 1980s had this great insight that children learn particularly well when they're consciously engaged in making something to show to others. So whilst there is content knowledge, subject knowledge to pass on, this can happen particularly well within the context of, of creating things. And that could be the story, that could be the dance, that could be the algorithmically generated art, but that can also be computer code. That can also be something that they type or click or put blocks together to build up on screen. The lovely thing about Papert's insight there of constructionism is this sense of it being a shared or a public artefact. It's not just a thing which they make for themselves. It's not just a thing which they make for their teacher. And so the really effective computing classrooms are ones in which there is a culture of collaboration and a culture of sharing things with their peers. And I think, you know, a really effective computing lesson, yes, starts with that sense of guided instruction of teachers explaining to pupils how to do something, includes plenty of opportunity for pupils making things themselves, but should also include there towards the end of the period a chance for them to share that with their colleagues in their class and to get feedback on what they've done, not just from their teacher, but from their classmates too. Exactly. So having students as active participants is what we want in our classroom. Uh, students as creators, not only as consumers of technology, but also as creating, as creators of new technology. So this is, this is the key. Uh, and I like your idea of uh, having uh, students share their products with their peers. With, and it's so easy to get an authentic audience, uh, their peers from other countries who will benefit uh, from the product the other students created. Precisely. And projects like Code Week and indeed Scratch itself and some of the online repositories we're seeing for text-based code, such as GitHub indeed, provide that sense of pupils being able to, or young people being able to share things with a global audience. Back in my school days now, a very long time ago, you know, the only person who looked at my work was my teacher or maybe my mum very, very occasionally a classmate. Now the technology makes it possible for, for children in primary school, for children in secondary school to share their work with a global audience. There are really important message, messages about intellectual property and about online safety that need to be communicated. But this sense of creating something with a sense of purpose and a sense of audience is just so important. Absolutely. And I think that's something that technology has also brought to our classrooms nowadays is the fact that there's like it has enhanced the way that we can teach and it has enhanced the possibilities rather than has not substituted it just has uh, enhanced them and, and, and augmented them in a way so absolutely and and so I think this is um, it's also a good closing statement uh, for our listeners that
that while it's important to integrate computational thinking across the curriculum, it's important to provide many different uh, ways of teaching coding and programming, it's also important to keep in mind that at, at some point, pedagogy should be at the core of every digital transformation, right? And it should be at the core of how and why we teach. But with a view, as uh, you were saying, Miles, with a view, of course, and this is something that I, I think I take out from our conversation, with a view that technology is there, that the, whole, the future job market is very much uh, technology dependent and that children and students and young people in general need these skills. And so schools need to step up and be there to provide it, whether it's with a specific subject as you do in England or whether it's across the curriculum. And so I would also like to close by inviting our listeners to check out the website of uh, codeweek.eu where they will, be, they will find plenty of resources, including the learning bits, including the one developed by Miles here, um, on how to implement coding and computational thinking across different subjects, including physical education, but also STEM subjects. So I very much encourage our audience to, um, to check out our website, to check out the Code Week resources. And the last question for you, Miles, is there something you would like to add, some last message that you would have from our, for our audience? Thank you. It's this, this one thing which I would like to come back to. So we've talked a lot about how being able to program a computer, being able to solve these problems in this systematic, automatable sort of way is going to be useful across a range of employment and a range of academic disciplines. I think it's worth also saying that the sorts of approaches in which young people exploring these ideas engage and in which software engineers and computer scientists are also routinely engaged transfer across a whole range of dis different fields. So, you know, in programming, you make mistakes a lot, or at least I make mistakes a lot. And this sense of not being afraid when it doesn't work, when it goes wrong, when the computer doesn't do what you want, and being willing to fix that and tinker with that until you have it working. This sense of making something which wasn't there before, this, this idea of, of creativity, so important in compute, computational thinking, in coding. This sense of, of playing with the code. You know, I've talked a lot about early years foundation stage and what happens in kindergarten, but programmers, computer scientists carry on playing into their much later life. They play with computers, they, they tinker with things. And I think this is a really important approach to adopt when it comes to, yes, coding, but across the curriculum, a more playful, a more experimental or exploratory approach to learning things or teaching yourself things. And finally, just I'd like to put the emphasis back on the importance of collaboration. If you go and look at what happens in a software house in, in these big tech companies, it's not individual coders sat in front of dark screens with green text. You have lots of co-working spaces of people working together in really dynamic teams, drawing on the ideas and the, the contribution of a whole range of diverse individuals. And I think that's so important to keep that, yes, in our computing lessons, but across the curriculum and indeed on into further study and other fields of employment too. Yeah, I just wanted to say that indeed we, we use computational thinking uh, subconsciously maybe in our everyday life, every day. Uh, I, I also wanted to thank you, Miles, for sharing your experience and expertise and above all your passion and your enthusiasm. Thank you so much for for this. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this interview and learned a lot. I've really enjoyed this too. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share these thoughts with you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Miles. It's been a true pleasure having you with us today. And so now we're slowly moving to an end. We hope, listeners, that you have liked the episode, that you have been inspired by what we talked about today, that you have also found it useful to your teaching practice. And so, as I mentioned, I, we invite you to check out codeweek.eu to check other resources of Codeweek, among, among them the learning bit that Miles developed. But as well, check out the rest of the episodes of the Codeweek podcast, where you're going to find similar related topics, such as, for example, example today we touch upon how to link coding with art and how to link coding with different subjects and so we invite you to check out the rest of the episodes where you're going to find more interesting interviews on these topics see you next time for a new episode of our code big podcast with some interesting facts on coding and digital technologies and education goodbye goodbye bye bye